What's up, guys? How we doing tonight? We good? Doing good? Only uh, 22 more days until Jurassic World comes out. We can't be doing too bad. The park is almost open. The dinosaurs are safely locked away behind their fences. Surely they're not going to get out this time. Surely all lessons have been learned. No mistakes will be made. Nobody's going to be eaten. This time around, it should just be a nice little wholesome and educational uh, documentary. <clears throat> you know somebody's going to get eaten by that T-Rex, man. And, and gosh, see, I've been thinking about this. Can we just stop and, and be thankful for a second that T-Rexes are not alive right now? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Do you know how much that would just suck to constantly have your head on a swivel looking out for a Tyrannosaurus? Like, that's the silver linings tonight. Whatever's going on in your life, at least you're not being eaten by a Tyrannosaurus. I love you guys. Have a good night. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, uh, I'm stoked for that movie. I've loved dinosaurs since I was just a little chap. Um, one of my good friends, every time somebody asked him when he was little what he wanted to be when he grew up, he always said a dinosaur. And this went on until, like, high school when he realized that that was, in fact, impossible. And... Uh, He's not been doing well since that. So let's pray. Let's pray for my buddy. <laughs> and let's pray for tonight. Um, I'm super excited about tonight. I've been praying all week for tonight. Very excited about the topic that we get to talk about to finish off silver lining. So let's start this night off right like we always do. Let's, let's just um, clear our minds, focus in our hearts, and just invite the manifest presence of God into this place. And I say manifest presence because the presence of God is everywhere. That's just one of the benefits of being God. I guess not only are you omniscient and all-knowing, but you're omnipresent and everywhere all at the same time. I don't know how that works. I'm just glad that I don't have those characteristics. I don't think I could steward those things very well. But God, fortunately, God can, and God is awesome. And um, sometimes God, I mean, God is everywhere, but sometimes, man, he just shows up Oftentimes, I think he shows up in ways that just kind of blows us off of our feet. And um, he does what a sermon or an epic worship song cannot do, and that is save people and transform hearts and change lives for the rest of forever. And I'm not talking about just an emotional high that lasts for like a week. I'm talking about deep life transformation that lasts the rest of eternity because God is good and God's in the business of transforming lives. And sometimes all you gotta do is ask. So let's ask for that tonight. Like Chad Brugman always says, God is everywhere, but I just get the feeling he likes to be invited. You know, we're created in his image. We like to be invited. So let's just take a moment and let's just invite the presence of God into this place and let him know how much not only do we need him, but we want him in here with us tonight. So bow your heads. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for how good you are. Father, we want you to know how wanted you are in this place. God, without you, this, this would just be a lame hobby that we do on Thursday nights. Father, I ask that you would show up in a way that would knock us off our feet tonight. I pray that you'd save people. I pray that you would transform hearts and change lives. I pray for those of us in here who might be burnt out by religion or just studying theology, God, whatever it is, that those of us who are burnt out, that you would breathe just a fresh fire like you do, a fresh fire of your freedom into us tonight, God. So slow our hearts and slow our minds tonight, God, to hear something from you. I give you this platform and I give you this sermon. These words are not mine, these words are yours, and I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. All right, any country fans in here? 
All right, all right. I'm a country fan, especially in the summertime. I don't know. There's something about the summer that just makes everything awesome, including country music. And it reminds me of driving around with my dad when I was little because for like five years, the only CD my dad ever owned was Garth Brooks' Greatest Hits. And so, and so every time I hear a Garth song, I think about driving in the car with my dad, which I love. But this week, I've been thinking about... Um, Another song, not by Garth, by a guy by the name of Brad Paisley. And, um, okay, okay. And this, this is a very uh, cheesy song. Surely the only cheesy song in country music is this one. It's a song called Letter to Me. Anybody ever heard of that? Yeah. Heard of Letter to Me by Brad Paisley? Basically, um, essentially the point in the opening line is this. If I could write a letter to me <laughs> and send it back in time to myself at 17. Brad's voice is not that low. I just wanted to do that. Thank you. I'll talk the rest of the sermon like that. If I could write a letter to me and send it back in time to myself at 17, and then he goes on to say a bunch of very specific and funny, like Brad does, and very touching things. But the premise of it basically is this. He's writing back to himself at 17 at the end of his life, and he says, hey, man, like even in the moments of your life where all hell is going to seem like it breaks loose, all right, and, and it feels like everything is blowing up right in front of your face, I need you to know that somehow um, everything's gonna be okay. That's the premise of this song, that I know right now things are hurting and things are hard and things can be painful, but right now I have the ultimate perspective to be at the end of all things looking back on, on our life, I guess, and I can tell you somehow everything is gonna be okay. Everything ends up to work out just fine. And um, when I was, a, fan, when I was a, a little kid, my family, we moved around a lot. And um, it was, uh, I have a little brother and he's awesome and two awesome parents. And because of my dad's job, like every two to three years, we'd pack up and we'd move to a different state. And so I've lived a few houses in Ohio, Indiana, California, Colorado, Arizona, then back and forth between Colorado and California a couple times. And every single time, like it stung. Every single time it was painful. When you're seven, moving from Ohio to Indiana, that might as well be moving to the moon. You know, you're like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta say bye to all my friends, say bye to my classroom, say bye to my little league team. You know, I gotta, I gotta move to a brand new bedroom in a brand new scary house, on a brand new street, in a new city, in a new state, and I gotta be the new kid again. You know, I gotta make friends with the kids on my street all over again. You know, and, and that's difficult when you're seven years old. That's difficult when you're nine. That was difficult when you're 12. Like, that's difficult when you're 27 years old. Okay, that's always difficult, but man, as a kid, that, that's legit pain, and that fear of that unknown is, is legit in that moment. But when I was a, se- when I was a 17-year-old and a senior in high school, um, I, I specifically remember having like a perspective um, realization, looking back on my childhood and realizing that, hey, no matter the painful seasons that um, were big at the time when I was a little kid, like everything, everything through every single move ended up being just fine. It all, it all worked out. Mom and dad were with us every step of the way. Mom and dad even bought Ryan and I moving presents to bribe us. Like when we moved to Indiana, we got a basketball hoop. When we moved to California, we got an N64, which took care of distracting us completely from the fact that we just moved to the other side of the country. That thing was legit and still is legit. But though it was hard and scary seasons happen. And that was scary. Every little thing really was okay and everything worked out. And now I'm 26 and I can look back at all the things in high school and college that, that caused me to worry and caused pain in my life. And, and, um, 
and man, I, and, and I can look back and say, hey, there were things that worried you and there were things that caused you pain and you had to see and deal with some things that no 19-year-old kid should ever have to see and deal with. But my perspective now is bigger and I can tell you that everything is gonna work out and you're okay even when you're not okay. And now, and now I have another list of things. Standing up here as a 26-year-old tonight, I have another list of things that I'm worried about and that's okay because I'm human. And for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about the fact that we are all broken people who live in a fallen and broken world where bad things happen, where people hurt each other, and where things do not go according to plan. And like Jess talked about last week, that was not God's plan. All right, it was never the author of glory's vision when he designed and thought this whole thing up. Like God wrote perfection. He, he authored Eden into existence. So not only a beautiful world where everything functions rhythmically and, and there's, there's harmony everywhere and it's summer all the time and puppies stay puppies for their entire lives and never get older. And, and you're always on the beach either surfing or hanging out on the sand with your friends and Jesus and playing with those puppies. Like not just externally that kind of Eden, but internally, think about this. Like I'm talking inside perfect Eden, perfect shalom, perfect harmony with your mind, with your body, and with your spirit, all functioning rhythmically, no depression, no mental pain, no headaches, no physical pain. I mean, that was the plan. That's how he wrote it out. But our free will chose this instead. We chose the gifts over the giver of those gifts. And we chose creation over the creator and our flesh continues to battle back and forth between those selves to this day. But God is gonna get the last say. In fact, God did have the last say with Jesus who interjected himself into the middle of our brokenness and is reconciling everything, everything back to him. And now we feel the effects of the fall we battle between that and the victory that Jesus has over our lives going back and forth. But one day, Jesus is gonna split the sky in half and he's gonna come back, not as a little baby wrapped in blankets in a manger this time, but this time as a ferocious warrior, the king of the universe, son of God with fire in his eyes that literally makes the Rocky Mountains run away. Like what the heck is that gonna look like? Literally the Bible says mountains will flee before him and he will bring restoration to everything. We will know Eden and the manifest presence of God will be ours forevermore. And on that day, I promise you, I promise you with the ultimate perspective, you will be able to write the ultimate letter back to yourself. At any point in your life, pick the darkest, worst season or years of your life and you will be able to look back and write something and with full integrity say, hey, I know it's brutal and I don't use that word brutal flippantly right now. I know it's brutal what you're going through and I know that for the longest time you have not seen the light at the end of the tunnel and this valley is long and truth be told, sometimes it feels like the pain is suffocating you right now but, but I'm telling you this, somehow you gotta believe me that every little thing really is gonna be all right. Every little thing really is going to be all right because your future, young adult, your future is Eden. You get God, therefore your future is Eden. And that's not to minimize anybody's pain in here, okay? That's not the goal of tonight. I made this joke two weeks ago. I'm gonna make it again tonight in case you weren't here. And I think this is a great reminder. I quoted uh, Matt Chandler and made this joke, but I do not want this sermon or anything about this silver lining series to be cold comfort. And by cold comfort, I mean that guy who knocks on your door 30 minutes after you get fired or broken up with and says, hey, chin up because Romans 8, God's gonna work out everything out for the good of those who love him. And you just wanna punch that guy in the face. 
well, I guess that black eye, bro, God's going to work that out for your good because you love him, so now we can both benefit from that. That's perfect. Thank you very much. That's cold comfort. That does nobody any good. And so I want to challenge you tonight, tonight, do not listen to these verses or hear anything I'm going to say through the lenses. See it through the lenses of cold comfort or hear it through the filter of cold comfort because if you do, you will miss it. So that's my challenge to you tonight. We're not minimizing anybody's pain. Tonight we are maximizing the God who has victory over any of that pain. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. This is the Apostle Paul. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. When Paul calls our troubles light and momentary, which bothered me the first time I heard that, he's not minimizing our pain by any means. And if you read it that way, you are reading this verse wrong. What Paul is doing is not minimizing your pain. What Paul is doing is maximizing the second half of that verse, the eternal glory that is waiting for you. He's taking our attention off of the valley of the shadow of death that you and I are currently walking through in whatever season that may be, whatever that might look like for you. He's taking your attention off of that and he's bringing your attention and focus to the God who has conquered that valley and the God who is currently holding your hand and walking you straight through that valley. And so that's the concept I wanna try and tie into our spiritual journeys that we are all on tonight. And I didn't know whether to call this talk letter to me or every little thing is going to be all right. Either way, you pick whichever one of those you want. What I want to do tonight is, uh, is basically I want to make three points reading a scripture that all of us are familiar with. Um, and this is about a dark night of the soul that Jesus' disciples went through. And, and from where we are now, we can read the Bible and we can have perspective over the entire story. And we can look back and we can see these three points for what they really are. And so if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter 14. If you have your phones, Matthew chapter 14. Um, this is uh, Peter walking on some water tonight. That's the scripture we're going to, one of my favorite parts of the Bible, and it will never lose its ridiculousness or epicness. He walks on water with the king of the universe. And um, if you're new to the Bible, it's like Matthew is about three quarters of the way through your Bible, the first book of the New Testament. And if you're new to the Bible looking for a place to start, Matthew's a great place to start reading. We're going to pick it up in chapter 14. Verse 22, and this is immediately following, this is Jesus hanging out with his disciples immediately after Jesus literally feeds between 12 and 15,000 people with just a few loaves of bread and a few fish. One of the craziest miracles in history. And this is immediately following that. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And after he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, the boat with the, boat with the 12 disciples in it. It was buffeted by the waves because the wind against it, because the wind was against it. And so the disciples are by themselves in a little boat in the middle of the Sea of Galilee during a storm. And now their lives are in danger. And this was unexpected. And to the best of their knowledge, this was not a part of the plan. And if you remember from two weeks ago, um, the message of the gospel is not that Jesus comes into your life and makes everything easier and cozier and comfier for you. The message of the gospel is that regardless of whatever circumstance you're in, whether everything is going great right now or whether you're on a little boat during the storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee on one of the darkest nights of your life, you get 
God through it all. Because of Jesus, you get God. And no matter what happens, you have him. And you really, really, really can fall in love with the creator of the universe in a way that any kind of storm and any kind of unexpected thing from the left or the right that might come at you just kind of seems to take a back seat and fall away. It is possible to fall in love with God in that kind of way. And if that's true, and biblically it is, then point number one that I want to make is this. Be ready because your faith might get you something, might get you into something unexpected. Your faith might figuratively get you into a little boat during a storm in the middle of the sea. And here's what I mean. If, you, if you've heard the story Daniel in the lion's den, it's an epic story about how Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den and he escapes. And if you remember, what was the reason Daniel escaped? His faith got him out of the den. But I'll draw your attention to what was the reason Daniel got thrown into the den in the first place. His faith got him thrown into the den in the first place. And in this story, the disciples' faith is what got them out into that ocean in that boat during the storm. Peter is going to, by faith, walk on water at the end of this thing. But Peter, by faith, got into that boat and is now in the middle of a storm. And halfway through college, man, I had my entire life planned out. I was going to be an orthopedic hand surgeon and make half a million dollars a year and have a home in Breckenridge and Sydney and California. And I was legitimately like on the, on the path to that. And then I met Jesus and he ruined everything. <laughs> he did. He ruined everything, hear me, in the best possible way. And every day, man, I thank him for it. Every single day I thank him for it. And, I, and I'm not saying being a doctor is bad by any means. The, the, the world needs doctors. The kingdom of God needs doctors and teachers and business people and athletes and interns and CEOs. And you fill in the blank. And, and, and big houses and money is not bad. Big houses are awesome. All I'm simply saying here is that this is how the concept of unexpected things played itself out in my life. And at first it was horrifying because there's not a lot of money and being an intern at ministries and being a missionary, but somehow it all worked out because the book of Proverbs says that in their hearts, human beings plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps, which is scary sometimes, but I promise you, it's good news. You never know what your faith is going to get you into. Look at our story. Late one evening, Jesus sends his disciples out into the sea in a tiny boat, tells them he's gonna meet up with them later, and they obey they obey him. They do exactly as he says. They get into that boat, paddle into the middle of the sea when the storm hits. And it's not just a little rainstorm with some dark clouds. Like we're talking a storm that, according to one translation, tormented the boat, leaving the, di the disciples scared to death as to whether or not they were going to survive, wondering how deep that black water right beneath them was, wondering what was swimming around in that water right beneath them, probably wishing the sides of the boat were a little bit higher and maybe that wood was a little bit thicker, waiting for some kind kind of miracle to happen and we clearly see from the text that Jesus has far more to do with this scene than we might originally pick up on. Like first of all, Jesus is, is for, for some reason, he sent his disciples out ahead in a little boat into the sea without him and he knew what was gonna happen. Like he knew that that storm was on its way. Why not just tell his disciples to wait on the beach a few hours while he prayed so that they could all cross the sea together? Like that'd be much easier and much more efficient. And not only that, but we know from a few chapters earlier in Matthew chapter eight that, that Jesus is in control of the weather. Like he tells the weather what to do and it listens to him. He literally, he told a storm to stop being a storm and the storm goes, okay, okay, Jesus, just take it easy. The storm stopped being a storm. 
when Jesus told it to, okay? Jesus is far more in control of this scene than we might realize at first. Here's a commentary quote by a pastor named David Platt. During the time that the disciples were battling the storm, I love this right here, so simple. Jesus was holding both the disciples and the storm in his hands. Your faith might get you in to something unexpected and you need to know that it's okay because Jesus holds everything right in his hands. Back to the story. Pick it up in verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. (laughs) Walking on the lake, Jesus went out to them. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. That's fair. It's a ghost, they said. They didn't recognize him at first. Remember that. They cried out in fear, but Jesus immediately said to them, hey, take courage, guys, it's me. It's I. Do not be afraid. And this brings us to our second point of the night. Take heart, because Jesus is with you in the storm. And the disciples are paddling around for probably about six hours at least, anywhere from like 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. through the darkest part of the night, probably seemed like a lot longer than six hours trying to keep the boat that they're in um, from capsizing. And, And in the middle of the storm, Jesus shows up, illuminated, just walking on the water in the middle of the storm. And at first they don't even recognize him, which begs the question, um, how many times is Jesus present in our lives during trials and circumstances where we don't even notice him? Like the world is so quickly to blame God when one bad thing happens. But how many, how many things do we completely miss that God orchestrates right under our noses that just go by unnoticed? I mean, it's amazing. Think about this. It's amazing to think, think about God, like we think about God, I'll just say it this way. We think about God so much more when we need him. You know, like when the cell phone rings, and you get that news that literally alters the heading of the rest of your life, or you don't get into that job that you've been praying for the last three years that you wanted to get into, and it feels like everything's just kind of blown up in front of your face. Like, I'll say it this way, when I'm healthy, I don't think about needing to be healthy. When I'm sick, all I think about is needing to be healthy. And in the same way, when everything is going great, man, we just don't, we usually just don't think about Jesus as much as we do when we are desperate for him, and that's just reality. We realize how fragile we've been all along when the storm hits. We realize how desperate and how dependent on God we've actually been all along as soon as the storm comes. Here's another quote from that same commentary. According to the Bible, there is no question that God sovereignly ordains trials in our lives at various points in order to reveal his character and nature to us in ways that we can never know apart from the storm. And this, and it is in the middle of the storm that the presence of Christ becomes all the more real. So a few years ago, I was living um, with a few friends as a missionary in Fiji, and a a hurricane hit us one week, and it flooded and damaged and and destroyed a lot of homes, and the hurricane stuck around for like two weeks, and the flooding just kept coming on and off, and um, we had to set up shop and camp out in a church that was a little higher, on a little higher ground out of the way of the floods, and um, 
and got to, got to um, experience the presence of Jesus in the middle of a literal storm. It was crazy. Like, like, don't get me wrong, all over the country, houses and homes and lives were completely destroyed, but God was there right in the thick of it, and he showed up through people in the city helping each other, people sharing food with each other, people taking care of each other's kids, people sharing homes, inviting other families into their homes, people sharing resources, people sharing money with each other, people spending time and praying with each other. Man, God was there on the sunny days, absolutely, like he's always there. But man, the way that we saw him in the middle of that storm, like right in the thick of a hurricane, it, it was crazy. And so like, here's the question I've been thinking about all day. Like what if Jesus like, sent his disciples out into the middle of that sea, in the middle of the storm where there was no way out, also that they could see Jesus in that moment walking on water towards them in the midst of a storm on top of the waves with the winds and the rain so that that image of him could be ingrained in their minds and in their hearts for the rest of their lives that Jesus is with us right smack in the middle of the storm. Let's keep going. Matthew 14, 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said, why do you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. And my last point is this, in whatever storm you're in, walk towards Jesus even if it's across the water. And I don't mean that literally, obviously. I've tried walking on water before <laughs> in a pool. It was a controlled environment. <laughs> and I'll, I'll continue to try to do that. But Peter literally just walked on water. And I think that's lost on us because we've heard this story so many times. But his trial and his circumstance presented him with the opportunity to walk on water with the king of the universe. All right? He asked Jesus, hey, can I, can I walk out towards you? And Jesus said, Absolutely, come on. So Peter steps out of the boat, eyes on Jesus, and steps onto the surface of the water, heart pounding, and he doesn't sink. He stands up on the water, and he's focused on Jesus and starts to walk towards him when all of a sudden he's spooked by the winds and the rain, which is fair. We'll give him that. This is probably horrifyingly awesome, okay, to be walking on the Sea of Galilee during a storm. He gets spooked, his eyes go off Jesus and he starts to sink, but Jesus grabs his arm, pulls him up and, and gives him some comfort, which to me is one of the coolest and most comforting images of all because um, I have a, a tendency to take my eyes off Jesus daily when unexpected things come at me from the right or from the left. I don't think I've ever had a day where I've kept my eyes on Jesus the entire way through. And, and, and Peter takes his eyes off Jesus and starts to sink and Jesus pulls him back up and, and and, and refocuses Peter's attention, not on the storm, but on the Jesus in the middle of the storm. And, and um, I don't think that Jesus was mad at Peter at all when Jesus says, Peter, you have little faith. Why do you doubt, bro? You know me. Why do you doubt? Okay, that's not Jesus being like guilt tripping him, being like, come on, Peter, like muster, muster some more faith, bro. Stop doubting. Be a better Christian, Peter. That's not what Jesus is doing here. Um, the Bible is very clear through punctuation marks to us when Jesus is mad. And in this situation, Jesus is not mad. He gets mad at times, but right now he's not mad. He helps Peter up and, and he refocuses where Peter's eyes are, all right? Because it's not, it's not the, 
the strength or the power of the faith that you can muster up that is gonna save you. Maybe you need to hear that tonight. It has nothing to do with the power or the strength of your faith that's gonna save you. It has everything to do with the power and strength of the object that you're putting your faith in. Nothing to do with the strength of your faith, everything to do with the, with the strength of the object that you're putting your faith in. And in this situation, that's Jesus' faith. And when we focus, and when our focus is on Jesus, we can walk on water through any storm because we can do all things like we talked about two weeks ago through him who gives us strength. So whatever trial you're facing and whatever difficult season you're walking through right now, I just wanna say this to you, like walk towards Jesus whatever that means, um, keep coming on Thursday nights, keep showing up on Sunday mornings to church, keep on getting up and, and, and trying to pray or read the Bible for the first 15 minutes of your day and on those nights when for some reason you can't fall asleep at night, talk to God about the things that are going on, keep in dialogue with other people who can push you in your faith and other people who can pray for you, whatever it looks like to tangibly keep walking towards Jesus, man, you do that even if it means getting out of the boat because because Jesus showed up in the middle of that storm, but Peter got out of that boat to go meet him. Jesus shows up in the middle of our storms, but we get out of the boat to go and meet him. And let let me remind you that there were originally 12 of them in that boat and 11 of them stayed nice and safe and dry in that boat while one of them was sinking in the waves. But Peter was the one sinking and he was the one doing it right because proximity wise, he was the closest one to Jesus. And I'd sure rather be sinking right next to Jesus than I would being ni- be nice and safe in a boat far away from Jesus. I'd sure rather be in Peter's situation. And I guarantee you for those 11 disciples, if they all had the chance to write a letter back to themselves on this night, All 11 of those letters would have one thing in common, and I bet it would say this, get your butt out of that bow and go for a walk with the king of the universe on the sea. Because Peter did, and they watched him do it. And at the end of his life, I've been been thinking about this all day, um, while Peter was just sitting on the brink of eternity, hanging out, talking with Jesus, I don't know what that looked like. And I imagine Jesus telling Peter to write a letter back to himself on the start of that night that he could read on the sand before getting into that boat, um, knowing full well what was coming. What would you say? And, and I'm not Peter, so I don't know the exact answer to that, but, but this, is my, this is my best guess. This is what I bet Peter would write to himself. If I could write a letter to me and send it back in time to myself at 33, I still made it rhyme. When I was standing on that dry land about to get into that boat to set off into the Sea of Galilee, I would tell myself, first of all, get into that boat and and do what Jesus told you to do because Jesus is faithful and obedience is worth it no matter what. And then I would tell myself to fight every fear that I had and get back out of that boat in the middle of the water to go for a walk with Jesus because Jesus is worth it. And Peter, bro, you're gonna be the only person in the history of the world other than the son of God himself who has ever walked on water. And while you're in that water, do everything in your power to keep your focus, not on yourself and your own ability to stay afloat, but on Jesus and Jesus's ability to keep you afloat because Jesus is good and will get you through any and every situation that you go through and you will come out of it with stronger faith than when you went in and you will have a good story to tell that will probably change a lot 
of lives. And finally, I bet he would say this. I bet he would say, hey, Peter, your life is gonna be a lot like what you experienced that night. A lot of ups and downs, clear skies and storms, small waves and big waves, but every little thing ends up okay, Peter, because you're with Jesus. So don't be afraid of the storms, even if it ends with you going to a martyr's death. And we know from history that that's how Peter's life ended. Even if it ends with you being killed for your faith, Peter, because you're gonna shut your eyes and Jesus is gonna grab your hand and pull you closer to him just like he did when you were sinking in the water that night. And you'll walk with him into eternity to be in perfect union with God in Eden for the rest of forever. And in that moment, everything, Peter, is going to be worth it. And band, you guys can come back out. I just wanted to finish with this little story that I hope, um, I know it's easy to forget things we talk about in sermons, and so I wanted to leave you guys with an illustration I hope is going to stick with you for a while, but um, it was through difficult seasons in my life that originally got my eyes off of myself long enough for me to realize that this whole God thing was actually real. Like, I got saved when I was 19 years old, right in the middle of a storm, which is a lot of people's stories, I think. Um, It involved losing close friends, and a near-death experience, and a hard breakup, and a lot of big changes, and, and even once I got saved, man, a lot of the ups and downs, and wave after wave after wave after wave of trying to figure out this whole Christianity thing, and I just couldn't seem to do it, and I could not get myself out of the party scene, no matter how hard I tried, nor did I really want to get out of it, like I could not get myself to surrender control of my life to God, who, and, and trust the fact that he, he had better things planned for me, I just could not grasp that concept. And it was like I was holding on to things so tightly and God was trying to pry my hands open to get my grip off of the things that were slowly killing me and I had no idea that they were killing me. And it was painful and I was just so confused as to why this whole following Jesus thing wasn't a bunch of sugar plums and rainbows and eating Oreos on a couch wrapped in a Snuggie. Like why why can't faith be like that? And I couldn't figure it out. Why does it look a lot less like that and a lot more like trying to walk on water in the middle of a storm? And a few months after being saved, I studied abroad in Sydney for six months and and all of a sudden I'm thousands of miles away from any kind of accountability in my small group and the guys that held held me accountable for so many different things and and I'm I'm thrown into... um, a group of a hundred other study abroad students who are all just trying to live it up for six months of their lives. And I fell, I fell into it. And those people, they're awesome people, great people who I still talk to today, but they were just heading in a completely different direction than I was trying to go because I knew God was pulling me this way. And I felt so much tension going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, um, and, and I, I ran a lot back then and I, I would always go for runs and there was a spot along the coves in the windy beaches of Sydney in the cliffs. And I had a spot that I always went to where I could look out into the ocean. Nobody could see me, I couldn't see anybody else. And it was there that like four or five times a week, I really felt like I connected with God and learned how to do that for the very first time. And it was so great. But then every time I'd, I'd run back home to, to the study abroad scene, and everything would happen all over again. And um, the waves just seemed to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And this faith thing was not easy. And maybe some of you, I tell this story because maybe some of you are in this position right now in your lives. Um, 
where maybe you're you're new to this whole faith thing and you're so confused as to why every time you you seem to take a step in this direction, it involves God prying your hands open to get your grip off of a lot of things in your life and it's a lot of pain and it, it looks a lot more like walking on water in the middle of a storm than you wished it would. And one morning, I woke up one morning um, really hungover after a long, long night um, out at the bars and, and just felt like crap, like physically and, and emotionally. Like I hated me more than my liver hated me and that was, that was saying a lot. And um, I don't know how to explain this, but just felt like God was like, get up and go for a run when I was hungover, which is not fun. And um, I did, I got out of my bed, laced up my Nikes and went for a run down to the beach, down to that spot in the cliffs. And, and um, as soon as I got there, man, it was before the sun was up and I just closed my eyes and I prayed and I asked God why it was so hard. And I asked him to show me the good and everything and asked him to let this storm just pass by. And why, God, why are the waves getting bigger and bigger and why don't they stop? And 15 minutes passed, which up until that point was the longest by far I'd ever prayed. And opened my eyes and the sun had risen just off of the horizon, leaving a golden path on the water that looked a lot like this photo right here. And all of us have seen that. And um, and I didn't hear an audible voice of God in this moment, but it was like the first time in my life where like I knew God was trying to say something to me. And some of you might think this is corny and that's okay. Um, But to me on that morning and to some of you, maybe tonight, this was the most comforting and peace-giving revelation that I've ever had. And it was literally like God was saying, hey, 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 buddy, you see this golden path? It's beautiful and it's straight and it's golden and it leads all the way to, to the horizon. If you look closely, it's made up of wave after wave after wave after wave after wave of ups and downs and clear skies and storms and, and easy seasons and great seasons of life and challenges and difficult seasons of life. But you gotta hear me, buddy. I have a plan through it all. I will be with you through it all. Keep your eyes on me. Keep focused on me as best as you can through it all. It's okay that there's waves. And on that morning, it was like he pulled me high out of the waves that I was drowning in up onto the cliffs to be able to see this whole thing from his view, from heaven's eyes, like the perspective of my entire life. And, and it's it just like Peter, like he got, my, he got my eyes off of the storm and off of the waves and onto him, the object of my faith, the silver lining. And sometimes like storms are just the only way to do that. And it's not because God wants our attention, like he needs our attention in some kind of weird way to complete himself. He's God, he doesn't need that. This is for us because he knows the whole view. And he knows at the end of the day, what you and I really need is not the gifts. Although the gifts are awesome, what you and I really need is the giver. And at the end of the day, he is everything that we need. And I promise you that no matter what you're going through right now, there is a silver lining and there is a golden path in your life and Jesus Christ is the one who illuminates both of those things. There's a silver lining and a golden path in your life, not in the person sitting next to you, not my life, in your life. And Jesus Christ is the thing who illuminates both of those things and your journey is gonna be made up of a lot of waves, a lot of really awesome and epic seasons of life and a lot of challenges and a lot of storms. And I'll just ruin the surprise for you right now, behind the wave that you're currently in, there's another one. 
and behind that, there's gonna be another one, but you know what? You're gonna get past those waves, just like you got past the hundred that you already faced because you're here tonight, alive and breathing. You didn't drown like you probably thought you were going to a thousand times before. You're here tonight, and to quote Carl Lentz, because Jesus is back from the dead, and you were born for this. You were born to walk on water in the middle of whatever storm is in your life right now. Don't give that storm flattery. Don't give that thing too much credit. Get out of the boat and walk towards Jesus right smack in the very middle of whatever storm you're in right now. Keep your eyes on him and walk towards him. Do not fear the storm and do not fear the winds and the rain because you know what? They know his name and they do nothing without his permission. That's how awesome and powerful our God is. That the storms tremble at his name. And don't be afraid of those waves because if you'll notice, that picture's a lot prettier because of all the waves. When you're high up on the cliffs and you can see that thing from God's perspective, to me, that's Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, plans not to harm you and to give you a bright future. I'm paraphrasing it, but it's something like that. And we prosper more because of those waves. Our future is brighter because of those waves. That path is a heck of a lot prettier because of all those waves. So do not fear the waves that are in your life. Focus your sight on Jesus and walk right on through straight to him. Psalms 119.5, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. John 8.12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus showed up on that water right before dawn, which reminds me, of course, of a quote from the Dark Knight <laughs> by Harvey Dent. He says, the night is darkest just before the dawn. And so if your night is dark and your valley is scary, if your season is painful, then you should expect to see Jesus right about now. And you might not recognize him. He might show up in a different way than you expect, but you can expect to see Jesus right about now because he is your lighthouse with him. You can walk on water and with him, your future is Eden, okay? So take heart, keep fighting, keep going because he is good with him. You can do all things and in every and any situation, there is always a silver lining. It's Jesus Christ Keep your eyes focused on him. Keep your head up. You can walk on water through any storm that you are in. Do not fear the storms and do not fear the waves because they shudder at the sound of the name Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for this group of young adults, God, who are passionate enough about you to show up on Thursday night to this place over and over and over again. God, I pray for the people in here who are walking through a difficult and challenging season of their life, who, who have unexpected things happening and a storm rolling in and crazy things going on on every side. Father, teach us how to keep our eyes focused on you. Heavenly Father, God, teach us to be brave. Father, you're the one who makes us brave. Give us the courage to keep our eyes up and off the storm, but on you. Father, lead us to where our trust is without borders. God, let us walk upon the waters wherever it is that you're going to call us. Father, remind us of that path. Remind us of that golden path. Father, I pray that you would ingrain that into our memories tonight, that that golden path is real and alive for every single person living in this room. And that thing is illuminated by your love for us and your plan. God, help us not 
to fear the storm. Help us not to fear the waves. Teach us how in the midst of it, whatever it is that we are in right now, God, to walk upon the waters wherever it is that you call us, God. We love you so much. We pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Let's stand up and let's worship. I love you guys.